0: Listening to Girl Talk, a podcast for girls hosted by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Girls are go-getters, innovators, risk takers, and leaders. As the premier leadership organization for girls, Girl Scouts sets the standard. Girl Scouts is the Girl Expert, and in a world full of challenges, we're in Girls Corner. This episode features Jesse Hoolihan, who is the president of Stall Construction in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jesse's passion for workplace culture development, education, empowering women. Civil rights and social action, and the environment have led her to build a career that ties together STEM, sustainability, and business to build strong communities and ultimately make the world a better place. Hannah and Shana had a great conversation with Jessie about her background, how she got where she is today, and women in C suite leadership roles in non traditional careers like construction. All right, let's get into it.
1: Hi, it's Hannah here today, and we've got Shana. Hey. And we've also got Jessie. Hi, hi, Jessie Houlihan. She's the president of Stahl Construction in Minneapolis. And welcome to Girl Talk. We're excited to have you here. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Awesome. So, Jessie, we're excited that she's here because we're going to talk a little bit about working in the construction field. Why should girls be open to kind of considering a career in architecture, engineering, construction, Mm -hmm. that kind of field or the built environment? Why should they be open to that?
2: I mean, part of the reason I was attracted to this field is it hasn't changed that much over time. So it is ripe for disruption, which means we can do things better ways. If we look at a city as like an ecosystem, it's consuming resources and giving off things as well. Right now, our cities consume a ton of resources and create too much waste. They're not regenerative. They're actually negatively impacting over time. And you could look at that a lot of different ways. If it's just plain resources, if it's how human beings are doing, either way, they're not thriving. If we look at it like an ecosystem in time, it needs to be in more balance, where it's Actually contributing positively to the environment overall and people can thrive. Our buildings have a really important role to play in that. Um, I like to talk about it like regenerative or circular economic concepts and thinking. Regenerative would mean like I'm creating more good than I'm consuming. Right. So we've been working now in the built environment to create like net zero. We're not consuming anything. Now we're at the point where we can talk about buildings that are actually contributing mm. positive energy. You can create food on site, you can purify water. Um, all of us being a little bit more like how European cities these were because they, they were created before we um, were just relying on cars, frankly, much more transit oriented, where nodes of neighborhoods had to have food access, had right. to have services. We're kind of going back to that model. And I need people to want to work in this field. They're going to carry that forward and push whether you're a developer and you want to create um, a different use on site. Like I can create a coffee shop, but I could also create it that they can compost on site or they can um, generate some of their food on site, or I can create an affordable housing unit on top of that coffee shop. Right. That's regenerative. I'm creating more positive than just making a coffee shop all the way to the designer trying to figure out biophilic design. And how do I help you feel like you're in touch with nature when you're in my building? How do I make it that the air quality is so healthy that your your outlook and your existence is healthier in my building than in a different one. Right. All the way to me now, I, I have to figure out how to put that together. Yeah, <laughs> and all the people that come together and all of that work and working with cities and their regulations and what they want, whether it's the government sides, the cities, or regionally or any of those fields—architecture, engineering, construction, development—we need different thinkers to come forward and push to be like, how do we change that conversation? And then the impact is massive. You know, when you can see a facility full of people thriving, you can go back to buildings I built or schools we built and see kids and join the facilities, like it is a really powerful work. Yeah. Because it directly impacts our people and our environment. I think girls would be really inspired by that. We know from
1: Girl Scouts that the number one kind of driver towards picking a career is making the world a better place and trying to make an impact. There's a lot of ways uh, that we see every day where people are making an impact. Teachers make an impact. People who work in nonprofits make an impact. Uh, but this is like a different, unique yeah. w- way that maybe you've never heard of before. So I'm so excited you're talking about it because it uh, there's so many different ways you can make an impact, and this is just one of them.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad you explained it that way because even if you show up in a work in a job that's an economically positive one for you, but not a passionate connection. You can still be yourself and help be br- in that bravery, help other people be themselves. You can have pride in your work and therefore inspire the people around you. We have a positive impact by showing up as positive human beings, trying. Yeah. So there are limitless ways to have a positive impact. This is one I'm wildly passionate about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but really, no matter what, if you're finding your place, expressing yourself and, and doing your best, You're having a positive impact.
3: And Jesse, I feel like you outlined so many diverse, unique, like, spaces and ways that girls can be involved. Design and air quality or, like, uh, figuring out sustainable ways to, like, expand a building or design a city. It's kind of fun to unfold and unpack it and learn how it's way more sophisticated and complex than just what we've seen on Bob the Builder.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Than what we've seen
3: on television. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it is complex. Um, It is complex. And there are big problems we're chewing on trying to solve we are an ecosystem we need our nature our plants our animals to thrive alongside us for our health and well-being frankly we've studied it sociologically people with access to parks and trails they do better in long term but just our our own animal beings we do better we're healthier with that access so we need them to thrive in our environment how do we do that in our urban environment actually in the long term the most sustainable thing is to congregate in urban environments so how do we solve that how do we solve for the fact that with climate change, our plants are changing? So, what are we growing here that's helping us stabilize and helping right. with the environment? How do we handle water? And I think the Twin Cities is a great place to be to try to do that. So, I run a construction company here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're about a $100 million company, which is actually not that big in our industry. It puts us about mid size mm-hmm. in our market. So I have about 40 team members. I have an office here and in Des Moines, which is in Iowa as well. And we work in two sectors primarily. We built a lot of schools. We built a lot of hotels, which means we're about half public company. We're serving people that are working for the government or school districts Mm -hmm. and then half private. So people that are developers, property owners, maybe some office building owners and a lot of hotel developers here. Yeah, yeah. A good example would be we just finished a project for Minneapolis Public Schools, um, and in that project, we expanded and evolved their facility. So we went in and changed some of what was already there and made it bigger for students and brought some new facilities to the school. Um, I'm also building something downtown. It's called an adaptive reuse project project. Those are some of my favorites, and that's when we yeah. go into an older building and we give it a new life. We give it a new purpose. Yeah. It's really sustainable and exciting. This is an old historic building downtown that we're turning into a really beautiful hotel. We're building another hotel ground up around it. Yeah. We're also doing a project for the Army National Guard, which is really cool. A training facility for them. It's a blast-proof concrete building. Nice. Really cool. <laughs> and that's and super
3: cool. Oh, my gosh. I do. I
2: love that project. I love working for the Guard. They're really neat.
3: Jesse, where are you from?
2: I'm from Wisconsin, so sort of rural Wisconsin farm country.
3: Does it feel like being in the Midwest, is it, is it like a personal experience doing all these projects like in your area, in your region?
2: Yeah. So first of all, even though I'm from Wisconsin, I've been here for a while, I truly feel like a Minnesotan. Yeah. right now I love the Twin Cities. Hold it down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, And we do work all throughout outstate Minnesota and throughout Iowa, but I would say uh, a big push the last couple of years for me has been getting our projects to be urban. A big focus, my personal work, is wanting to create really resilient cities that are great for all kinds of people, where we can have jobs, we can go to school, we can get around on transit. Um, And for me, I really need to focus on then densifying, so bringing good, affordable housing to the Twin Cities and doing projects here that help with that evolution. So the last couple of years, we've really pushed for that. And now I've got about half my projects are here in urban environments. And that feels great. That's awesome.
1: So you mentioned a little bit about kind of sustainability, making the world a better place.
2: Is that part of what excites you about working in construction is those pieces? Absolutely. I'm the kind of person in general, I am aligned to want to create as much positive impact as possible in my career. So I was not focused on wanting to just go into business or just go into construction. This kind of happened as I pursued how I could have the biggest impact. So I do absolutely love that. You know, what we do has a very long term impact. We make choices that should stand for a long time. If I help my owners even make good choices that they like that last longer. That means less garbage going into waste, um, more use, more durability. And really, I want to build longer term buildings. So I don't want to build a building that will stand for 20 years. I want to build with good, durable materials, have it last a long time, be easy to adapt and evolve so that as humans evolve, our cities evolve, our facilities can evolve with us.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What made you inspired to Make the world a better place through construction. Because, right, there's a lot of ways to do that. But I'm interested in in that piece.
2: I feel like I should tell you a little bit about what what led me here. Because I think that's super important for girls to know. I actually, I just spoke on a panel for the Twin Cities Business Magazine. And they were talking about how you end up where you end up. And I thought it was such a good story because we actually, we go about making these choices in life and they end up being our life. We end up mm-hmm. landing somewhere and it's kind of haphazard how that happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in Wisconsin, like I said. I came to Minneapolis to go to the U of M and I wanted, I knew what I wanted to study. I wanted to study environmental science and journalism. Wanted to help people understand the impact of their choices and consider changing their behavior for the environment. So I really, I, I worked really hard in college. Had a ton of internships. Worked in government. Worked in nonprofit. And figured out that me as a person, I kind of need to go fast and hard. Um, <laughs>
1: right. On. And sometimes so, things are slow. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, I struggled a little in nonprofit, um, kind of moving with donors or, or uh, motivations and strategies moving with donors and government, such long duration to try to get stuff done. Yeah. Um, so when it's I graduated, it
3: literally designed to, to kind of be a slow process.
2: Which <laughs> is the point, was, yeah. too. I mean, there's good and bad to that. Absolutely. I see that it has a role, but my spirit was like <laughs> struggling in those kinds of roles. Yeah. Um, so when I graduated, I decided to focus more on business as a catalyst. So if I can make something work economically, if I can make it make sense, yeah. I can go, I can do, I can run. So I ended up working in international environmental consulting for a firm that was based in Amsterdam. I worked here in Minneapolis, but I worked on projects in Africa and in Asia and then started working alongside architects and engineers here.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I was there helping them. There's a certification called lead And this certification designates a green building, a sustainable building, and there's levels within it. I was a consultant, just simply focused on those pieces of it, but I fell in love. Yeah how they made their choices, how complex the process was, how long-term the impact was. I was the person, like, not sitting in my seat asking too many questions at that point. Right. I ended up still not going directly into this market. I ended up getting hired by one of my clients. It was an environmental tech company, which was awesome. That path really helped me hone my business my business skills, Um working for some really amazing tech entrepreneurs that have grown a number of companies in the Twin Cities here, one of which is now a venture capital guy. And yeah. uh, those guys really were incredibly strategic, could shift strategy and meeting, started buying companies, selling companies, expanding them globally, understanding how to expand a marketing and sales strategy. And their their company was really an opportunity to run and try and do yeah. and grow a lot of confidence. And if I wouldn't have stopped at that point, I don't think I would have been ready for right, the next yeah. step. Yeah, big challenge. Right, yeah. exactly. And have the chance to try and fail a little bit, which is a really important part in the process, is mm-hmm. to learn, you know, you get, can have a great idea.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You can go ahead and implement it, and it can half work, and that's yeah. a win. You know, And it right. could all fail, and that's a win if you're learning and learning smart oh, and Jessie, failing we smart. We talk about failure all the time on oh, this yeah.
1: podcast. You're oh, speaking awesome. our language. <laughs> oh, it's,
2: it's key, and it's, for me, was one of my Biggest hardest lessons was being okay and failing sometimes and mm-hmm. um, being okay failing in front of people I really respected and thought mm-hmm. were really smart and yeah. wanted to look good in front of them. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> but really, when I wanted to leave tech, I, I learned a ton there. But when I like th- kind of sat with myself and meditation's always been really important to me, I would meditate and be like, what is missing and how am I feeling and where am I wanting to go and. I kept coming back to the built environment and what we get to do there and like what these architects and engineers were doing. And I had no training related to that field, but I was really passionate about it. So yeah. I I went to kind of seek something in AEC or development, which means architecture, engineering, construction or development. Yeah, I ended up meeting our owner at the construction company I'm at now. He was looking really to reposition the company, try to figure out what to do with it. And I was the only person not out of our market that he talked to. And it was just one of those pivotal moments like he put down his sheet in our interview and just started talking to me and we really connected and he was a good person wanting to do good things and I was really seeking that someone that I could help and I knew would um, be value aligned with me as well as risk aligned with Mm me yeah I know I can do risky things and I'm aggressive but you need to be value aligned with the people that you work for right yeah absolutely he's a good man so I came and the rest is history kind of grew into that yeah
1: Wow, that's such a cool story because I think it also shows girls that you can you can uh, like pivot and find new things Absolutely. in your life and you don't have to make all of the, like the choice you make in college or the choice you make in your first job after college doesn't box you into what you want to do, right? You can right. continue to sort of discover what you want to do and that's what your journey looks like.
2: Oh, and it's probably not going to stop. I, I think, right. um, you know, I, I grew, I've been with Stahl now seven years. So I've been in the president's role for about five, running the company. And I absolutely love it. And I still make space for myself to understand where am I unmet? And I can fill that with board opportunities, volunteer opportunities, artistic things that just fill me up. And it might be that at some point I want to do something else and fall on my face again and figure it out. And I think that that's a beautiful part of life is we don't have to have it figured out. Absolutely.
3: I love that. Jess, I love how you talked about how exploring and self-exploration and trying to tap into your interests and passions does not just have to look like work but right. volunteering and finding different unique ways to be in the in the community and, and um kind of nurturing and, and tapping into your interests i really appreciate that because sometimes people see the employment as their overarching like identity mm-hmm. and there's other things to us too so i really appreciate you highlighting that
2: Yeah, it's I mean, it's kind of an easy thing to fall into. And I can do that, too. Right now, my work is in real alignment with who I am, which is amazing, because I can be myself fully. That doesn't always work for everybody at all times. And it doesn't mean that it's not the right situation, frankly. I think we're all tasked with being ourselves as best we can and publicly. Um, So I think... It's a brave and good thing to try to be yourself, express your passions, and find outlets through your work channels as best you can. But it may very well be that you have a job where you're growing skills or it's really smart economically for you and you're meeting those other needs elsewhere. And that's absolutely all right too. (laughs) Totally.
3: Yeah. Totally. But we
2: are tasked with knowing ourselves. So first know thyself and try to make sure we're at least meeting those needs. Yeah. Love it. Come on. So you talk a lot
1: about feeling really positive in your career and and loving what you do and feeling like you really fit in there and you can be yourself. We're, women working in construction fields is kind of rare. And so I was curious if you had struggles sort of getting into that position and um, maybe proving yourself and that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I would say it's been a journey through all of my jobs, figuring out expression and, and fully speaking my mind and learning that confidence that comes, I, I think, in time for me. Some people are born with it. And I would say, that too is a difference I sometimes see in gender. Women have a lot of ideas and they hold on to them. And a lot, you know, men are a little more comfortable just pitching stuff out there. But I, I definitely had to learn that comfort. Really coming to this company in general, I was actually pregnant when I came to this company. I didn't know it. And so right off the bat, I was actually helping them reposition and aggressively pursuing work. And I was sick all day because I was pregnant. And, you know, they weren't really used to even people taking leaves Mm -hmm. and figuring out right off the bat, like, we're doing something different here. And I, I simply had to express my needs in that mm-hmm. process. I'm grateful that that happened because I don't think I would have been as aggressive in saying, hey, I need mm-hmm. this. I'm going to take this time. I need to go to this doctor's appointment. Right. Um, but it sort of forced me because I had to for myself and for my son. And really, thankfully, uh, my mom always says this, actually. You, you shouldn't just land somewhere where you can do something. You got to land somewhere you can thrive and grow. Mm. Yeah. And it, that soil, that environment, like you can influence it to try to be what you needed it to be. But some of it is, is it just the right place for you? And I was lucky that I landed at a place where I could grow and root and thrive, where they, um, you know, our owner, he's a man. Yeah. He started our company almost 40 years ago now. And I would say my ability to end up in the position I'm in and lead the way I can, a lot of that is because of who he is. Um, He's always run the company as a meritocracy. So the best ideas and effort wins the day. He doesn't care your gender, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. He wants you to thrive and produce. And that's amazing because he he saw me as someone just had lots of ideas and initiative. And he said, go try. I very well could have fallen on my face. And it wasn't (laughs) typical. And when I came, you know, I was dealing with a lot of people that had been with our company and in the industry a long time and weren't used to seeing people like me. Right. So there was a a lot of, you know, thinking probably, what do you know? Right. Yeah. Right. right. (laughs) And I think my attitude to to that and to all people is really I can learn something from every human being. No one of us is as smart as all of us. Mm So my approach to all of it was help me understand. Um, I interviewed everybody at the company and like, what are you seeing? Where are opportunities? Where are issues? Talk to me. And I spent half days with some of these people. So my SWOT or my strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats and reposition plan was really rooted in what I learned from my team, which I think helped them um, both feel connected to and have confidence in where we were going, even though you know what i was saying or doing maybe looked and felt a little different for them
3: yeah yeah and and but just as a as a woman as an e- educated invested passionate woman as well i think that people have to ensure in the society that we're in that they shift their paradigms and give you space and be ready to take in your ideas and not discount girls because of girls and there are stereotypes or or misconceptions about the power and the things that we can do
2: yeah and there's times that that confidence can be really unsettling for people. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would say, first of all, I think there's a lot of ways to respond to things and there's not wrong ones. So people who want to take a more aggressive stance to situations like that, I have no judgment for. I would say that my approach has always been to take a really deep breath and to try to really energetically connect with the people I'm trying to connect and do work with. Yeah. And I'm only as successful as, as the progress I can make as teams. There's a board that I'm on and they always say things get done at the speed of trust. Mm. And I believe that. So I, I need that buy-in and connection. I want to know them. And even if they want to discount me, there's something for me to learn from that situation. Mm-hmm. We've certainly had meetings where there's um, – we still have meetings, frankly, where people would like my role to look differently or want my ideas to come in a different way. And I I, I do pay attention to where I can succeed and where our team can succeed. And if it's not the right fit, we're not going to work there. Right. Um, yeah. But if it's something I can make meaningful progress over time and help people adjust and, like, get used to someone that looks and sounds like me or my team, frankly, I'm just a person. I have a pretty diverse team. I want them to listen to my team too right? and respect that. Um, then we stay and we take some deep breaths and we work our way through it and we see what we can prove over the course of a project.
1: Yeah,
3: that's awesome. Right on. So
1: knowing that, you kind of spoke to that a little bit just now. What do you do to support women in non-traditional careers like construction or what do you think should be done to do that?
2: I think um, someone told me once that you can't be what you, see, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been exposed to people doing different things, just your limits of what you imagine for yourself looks a little different. That's why we're so glad you're here. <laughs> oh, why not? I'm so glad to be here. Um, and I would say it's for it's for girls in non-traditional fields as much as men. I want. Humans to find their purpose and their passion and be supported and in, in find those outlets. I do think there are some uniquenesses to girls that I want to make sure we don't discount them, that we elevate them and give them opportunities to thrive. And I think it does start with exposure. I think what the Girl Scouts are, are doing is amazing. I mean, your STEM program Aww. is phenomenal. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> and some of what we've been able to support through Dunwoody, just giving girls access to tools and understanding those fields. I mean, if I would have known urban planning, for example, was a thing, I would have been studying urban planning. You right. know, that would have been my thing. I just didn't know it was a thing until I was 25, you know? <laughs> so
3: many people say that, like, <laughs> what? Like, I didn't know. I, I also originally went to school for environmental science. It was very hard. <laughs> and so I I took uh, my passions in a different route. I found a, a different way to um, explore it. And then there was an Americorps member who was going to school for it, and mm. that's the way it, that, that was the igniting catalyst. But it was really cool. Like once you make all these unique discoveries and have exposure, that's how you jump into things. Yeah, sure. and
2: we're in an ever-evolving world, so the fields and how we produce work is gonna keep changing. Yeah. Um. So some of it's exposure, some of it's like letting girls know you literally are limitless. Like yeah. limitless. So seek the things that you find interesting. Do try, ask, reach out. Like that is the thing that I I did have and didn't have to learn. Is like I just made the call. Yeah, right. Starting college, <laughs> I'd just be like, "Hey, what about that internship? Or do you really do you need an extra volunteer for that?" Or just tried, and you don't get anything that you don't ask for. I mean, half the time I got yeses surprisingly, and then got more and more confident. And I want girls to do that. If I started doing that at twelve. Right. <laughs> I'd probably be doing something even bigger now. It's I want them to grow up with that idea that yeah. they're limitless. But then I think there's a lot of things we need to encourage as women grow. Um, it's actually expanding, making sure people know about it, making sure the training opportunities are available. Once people get in the workforce, there's lots of reasons women drop off. Um, yeah. We need to be flexible and understanding about families, commitments outside the home. There's lots of reasons they don't end up in the C-suite. That's one of them. Regardless of whether you have a family, women from what we study sociologically, women take on more commitments outside the workplace. Yeah. So whether that's volunteering, caring for a parent, caring for a child, or simply your own self-care and investing in, you know, becoming a yoga teacher on the side, right. women do those things. So we need to understand how we help women thrive
3: right on. so yeah. they can
2: keep growing and end up in that C-suite and running companies and doing. I think, to the,
1: the you can't be what you can't see of, I work with a few different people doing like construction trades things for the Girl Scouts and uh, work with one woman at a temp agency. So she was temping, she was going around. And so she was assigned to a plumbing company and was basically just like doing front desk stuff, ordering supplies. She started doing more and more, started stocking the trucks, kind of got just interested in it. But it didn't think about her to pursue plumbing as a career for herself until a woman plumber walked in. Mm -hmm. And she just had this light bulb moment where she was like, oh my gosh, I can totally do that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're trying to do at Girl Scouts. Like I said, that's why we're so glad you're here because hearing not only that you work in construction, but also that you're the president and you, you've progressed into that leadership role, I think is really inspiring mm-hmm. for girls. And it helps them realize that 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 is possible for them.
2: Yeah, and I mean, there's a good difference. You just said there, too, actually producing the work in the field. You know, I've always been a girl that, I was just a tomboy, frankly. Yeah. Um, I always liked being dirty. When I studied environmental science, I would take students up north. We'd take soil samples. I loved camping. I loved being dirty. I also (laughs) ended up loving the professionalism and being in a suit and being able to command a room as as well. But I don't work in the field. I have amazing people that do work in the field. I run a business. Right. And I want even, you know, we don't have... um, Many women are minorities actually producing in the field. So Even a superintendent, so the people who run my jobs from the field, uh, I I have a hard time finding women and minorities. So, you know, it's people that love that work, love working with their hands. They love seeing the impact of what they've done in a day physically. It's order from chaos in our world. And you get to create that order from chaos. And I'm confident women would be amazing at it. I want to make sure women know that that's an option, too. So running a company or just being in the work, great options.
3: Throughout these different tiers and, and, and spaces that you've been in, have you had women who were mentors to you or help connect you or coach you in some of your skills or passions?
2: You know, I, I have um, I've had a hard time finding mentors I aligned with. And a part of it is I believe there's things I can learn from everybody. So I'm right. trying to learn from everybody. But the people I commit to for the long term, I, I've wanted to be people that were value aligned with me as well. And I have not, you know, in the uptick of my career starting out, I didn't find a lot of women in roles I wanted that I could emulate, that I I wanted to go to, frankly— I learned a lot about what I wanted to do or not to do from the men that I was working with. And <laughs> I learned a lot about how I wanted to be seen in that process, mm. too, which is a whole thing that, right you know, I guess all humans need to navigate, but women especially, of like I want to be respected and heard and um, seen appropriately in my workplace. Yeah. So responding to that, and navigating that taught me a lot about how I wanted to show up. Um, and it was, some of it was defiant. I'm going to show up <laughs> <off> this <laughs> way. Yeah. Um.
3: Right on. Because people have to make space for you. And you you should be able to show up the way that you want uh, naturally. And I think also, you talked about mentors, and I, and I hope as you continue to grow, because you only got more heights to soar through, Jesse. I mean, <laughs> I hope. I'm excited um, <laughs> for everything you got going on, and for our girls and Girl Scouts. But I, I hope that you continue to see more folks, and, and it becomes normalized, and, and with the work that really cool organizations are doing, that you have more peers and counterparts mm-hmm. that look like you, and that hold it down like you. And and I think your presence in other like women, in, in the roles, like Hannah does a lot with stem and and, and really orchestration coordinates so many cool exposure opportunities even if it's not formal mentoring but those like uh, those touch points are really important yeah. and, and support a lot of people moving into different directions
2: in a lack of mentors i um started to create sort of a peer network so like yeah. people that are moving and pushing in ways that move me so i've assimilated that and a lot of these people i see monthly for breakfast and it's like there, I call them my pace setters, and I got that term from my friend Matt Ames. Actually, he's a pace setter for me. Of like what he's doing and how he's thinking expands my mind, and I've I've a sim- like uh, brought together quite a few now, and about half are women. I'm um, just yeah. out there fighting and doing, and, and one of them um, is a dear friend Emily Nichols. She works in brokerage in CBR at CBRE, so in our space, in um, the built environment space. And she and I have been great at, about holding each other accountable for showing up as our whole selves in our work. And like, right. let's just see what that looks like. <laughs> if you know that I'm like this and like that, and also have something to add to the conversation and have seen amazing progress just in like as brave as we can be in showing up in that, it's only a positive impact so far. Um, And then I really did in, in meditation, actually, I started to root Gosh, it probably was two years ago now that I was like, I really want to to have women to look up to. And within like a month after I started really getting like, this is something that I crave, I had to. (laughs) I have found now women mentors. I think I just needed to look at a broader pool where it's not necessarily here and in this market and doing. I found one who runs a REIT in Denver. And a part of it was I was interviewing to build for them. And the way that her team defaulted to her, the way she trusted her team, I was like, I want my team to feel like that. Totally enabled, totally connected, totally in their power. And I'm there to support them. Afterwards, reached out to her. was like, hey, I don't care if you hire us to build something, (laughs) but... (laughs) I'm really impressed. Yeah. Here's the things I noticed from your team, and I would love to know more about you. And she's engaged. She sends me books. She shares some of her—she's she's just a go getter She's a killer, frankly. Yeah. Um. But I've attracted a few more like that now that I get to talk to, you know, when I run into things right that on. run companies. And yeah. I just had to look a little broader.
3: <laughs> right on. Right on. I feel like I have more women mentors because of my— time at Girl Scouts. I can't tell you how grateful I am for the folks that I've connected with and who elevate me professionally and personally. It's just really cool to have powerful women in your corner who are rooting for your success.
2: Absolutely.
3: Hannah, you brought up how girls, like, one of the biggest motivators is to make the world a better place. And it seems like with the creativity and and passion of girls, like, if they were in this field and we continue to encourage and and support girls in going into this field, really cool things can come through. Yeah,
1: I mean, we can solve the world, right? We can fix all these big problems. We just need more thinkers, uh, more different folks in the room, right?
2: And to take those ideas forward, I would say, going back to the start of my career, if you can make it work economically, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Um. And and that's not that's actually one of the biggest places we get stuck right now is, you know, I can I can make something that's more affordable. And, and here we need affordable housing. We need good, affordable housing. I can make something affordable, but an investor will say, well, I can build something market rate and make more money. So why would they invest with me? Right. So the funding mechanisms of how we're doing some of these things, how we're making those choices. Help me come solve the problems. Yeah. Help me make it sense economically. and We can go. Right. Right. On. Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. I feel inspired. So, we always kind of end with like a takeaway for the girls. What kind of advice do you have for girls that are sort of interested in this right now? Maybe they're in middle school and high school. What could they do right now to sort of get a gauge on things, see if it's something they would want to do? try stuff out.
2: Yeah. So, um, I would reach out, I would reach out to somebody in the field that you'd like to get to know and just establish that mentorship right off the bat. Um, figure out if you can job shadow, if you can engage, you know, a lot of my projects we have, um, we we call them constituents, our stakeholders, and we try to involve them in our projects. If I'm building a school, we want those students to be involved in that school project and understand it, have a role in it, contribute, learn from it, make art for it. So if you see a project around you and it may be like, who do I talk to there about what? Like, just start researching and reach out, and you, you likely can find someone and find a way into learning about that project. So you can yeah. literally watch your cities go up and find someone to talk to about that. Yeah. Um, same on the government or the city side. A lot of those people, like long-range planners, like looking at what do we do in the cities for the long term. Those people are passionate about their work, and it's public service. They're not doing it for the money. They're doing it for the impact. Yeah. Um, they would love to engage with people. And talk to them about why they're doing what they're doing and yeah. how that work happens. Um, university programs as well. There's a lot of great ones, a lot of great professors in that field. I yeah. imagine would be very open to that as well.
4: Yeah.
2: And the cool thing about all of this, too, is you can um, actually do some of this work at not a massive scale. So like what you guys are doing in building small, we're trying to do a cool project and build something yeah. um, through the Girl Scouts. But you could build a micro unit that is for homelessness, for example. Yeah. And that's something you could like literally do with $500, you right. know? Um, so if you're interested in that, there's lots of places to go and just start to research and learn and think about it.
1: Yeah. Endless I- books also. And I was thinking too about what you said about like, just ask, just try it out. Just even if someone says, no, I don't have time to talk to you or whatever, just keep asking people and and maybe ask if they want to come to your school or your Girl Scout troop and just get a chance to talk to them because like you said, there's a big possibility they'll say yes. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And I would say in our space, we're all fighting for good talent to come into our space. So I would, it would surprise me if someone said no, frankly, because there's not a person I work with that's not looking to try to bring up people around them and um, behind them, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Jesse, this has been an awesome conversation. Now I'm all, fired up
1: to yeah. The, yeah to go change the world. How we usually end our episodes uh is we do a would you rather question. It's completely off topic and it's top secret. So me and Shayna, we don't know what it's gonna be either. And and we just debate and we see who comes out on top. So I'm gonna bring Idel into the podcast and she's gonna introduce our would you rather question.
0: All right. Jesse, this was an awesome conversation. Like I Aww. feel very inspired and goosebumpy. I've been sitting here silently the whole time. <laughs> like I usually do. Um yeah Idele and- has to just
1: sit there and be like <laughs> in my little, <laughs> quiet as possible. in my little producer chair.
4: Um
0: yeah. So I've got I've got a would you rather for you. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Would you rather forever for the rest of your life only <laughs> be able to whisper or only be able to shout?
2: <laughs> I know for sure my answer. You
0: Ooh. already got it. Yeah. Jesse oh, pulled a Hannah. Mean-
1: <laughs> I usually the way it usually goes is I'm like the first person who's like, yes, I got it. Um, why don't you go first, Jessie? Do you know what you would pick?
2: I mean, I learned this from my mom, so I'm one of four, and now I have three Wiley e. Coyote boys. <laughs> um, and I was telling her, I'm like, they, how do I get them to listen to me? So there's so much going on. And she said, you know, I always whispered, because when you whisper with power in your voice, like rooted in who you are, the people around you are going to stop and want to listen. Yeah. And if you're yelling at them, you're just a part of the chaos. <laughs> right. So mm. I want to whisper and draw people in, so right. they have to listen to me. That's a good answer. That's awesome. that that's, a awesome. great, yeah, that's a great answer. answer.
3: Also, whispering can be a little scary too, where it's like <laughs> she's like too quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not kidding now. Right. <laughs>
1: Does anyone else
0: have their answer? I, don't I don't always go I mean, last. I always go left. <laughs> I like to decide if I if I like to be swayed.
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen to public opinion. On you know that.
3: what? I think I got it. Actually, I think I got it for it like I. So I can be kind of a loud, energetic person. What? Um, I know, <laughs> I know. And I, <laughs> I have a very big family, and if you don't shout, you will not be heard. And getting outside in nature is like such a big part of my life, and I just like being. Silly and wild with my friends and dancing and singing. There's a, uh, you know, pros and cons. But I hope that if I choose to scream, all right, what was it? ideal yeah. Shout. Shout. <laughs> yeah. And I hope it's always fun and that people associated with positive energy. So
0: I'm gonna say shout.
3: A right.
2: positive shouter. That's yeah. right.
0: Positive shouter. Shouting That's right. for good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be weird if you were whispering. Yeah. Jenna, if you came over and you were like. Yeah,
1: Are we ready? It would be be (laughs) off-brand. We would know something was wrong. I think I would pick whispering as well. I think partly because I'm a little bit more of a quieter person than Shana, (laughs) um, which is why we bounce off each other well. But yeah, I think I would pick whispering. I definitely have used that uh, strategy (laughs) of talking uh, like lower and whispering to get the attention of a group. So Mm -hmm. I I do enjoy that. And I also just think that... um, it helps me stay peaceful mm-hmm. <laughs> to talk quieter. <laughs> Although I appreciate Shana's exuberance. I think oh, that it's yeah. nice to have people like that in your life, especially when you're a quiet person.
3: <laughs>
0: I think yeah. you hold it
3: down all the time,
0: Hannah. Oh, <laughs> There's merits to both. Right. So uh, this
1: is Idel always has to, like, listen to everybody's, and then she, like, ponders in the
0: And I decide if maybe I've been convinced to change my answer. But this one, I'm going to stick with my original gut feeling, which is to whisper, because... I think opposite of Shayna similar to Hannah. I'm kind of a quiet person and I like to be like loud and have fun, but I also I can't get very loud. I think if I were only shouting, it would be strange and people would be like I don't know, it kind of just sounds like you're talking. I have my voice is like in a loud in a loud crowded room where a lot of people are talking, my voice is the same Level like it's the same tone as the ambient noise, so no matter how loud I talk, nobody can hear me, and then I just lose my voice, and and everybody just nods and smiles. I that's not the that's you clearly didn't hear what I was saying. How old your son is? And you said, "Mm, mm -hmm." (laughs) so I think I would whisper just because, like Hannah, it keeps me calm, um and I get. I get sort of nervous around people who are really loud, especially like in the office and I want to be like, shh. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Then also, if you're in a crowded room, you can always whisper in someone's ear instead of yeah. be like, hey. That's true. And yeah. also, you yeah. guys
3: can just tap me in. Tag, yeah, tap yeah. me in. Yeah. You can ask me the baton. I'm going to okay. whisper right, now.
0: my answers in Shayna's ear yeah. and then she's going to yell out. you can be my amplifier. I got yeah. You. Yeah.
3: I got you. And yeah. also, if, I, if someone's like, oh, wow, Shayna has a lot of energy, you guys can be my... Uh, Uh, corralers. (laughs) We
2: can bring it down. (laughs) I think my team would laugh with my choice. Like, I'm known to be very loud. Yeah. Even when I walk, I've just got, like, a stomp, apparently. (laughs) Like, everyone's like, she's coming. (laughs) Um... And my sons have it, too. Like, I'll be like, do you have an inside voice? Like, yes!
4: It's this!
2: (laughs) This is my inside voice. But like you said, Jess, like,
3: earlier, how people people are really complex and diverse and they show up in different ways and personality styles. It's so true. Like, we talk about this at Girl Scouts all the time. Like, some people are more exuberant or, or emotionally expressive. And if you're not careful, you can accidentally misconstrue or misinterpret that as something, you know, but mm. you, like it, it, in a negative light. And they don't mean to, but you just got to kind of let people show up the way they do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm, I am
3: I appreciate Adele's chill and I really appreciate that Adele's always been cool with me being <laughs> like I'll come over to Adele's <laughs> desk
0: and be like, "Hi Adele. <laughs> How was your weekend?" <laughs> and I'm like, "My weekend was good." <laughs> Let's go to a conference room Are and talk. Are you sure about it was this. good? <laughs> You're not yelling like I am. So I don't know if like, it was okay. <laughs> It was the best weekend of my life. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, thanks, Jesse. We really enjoyed this. I love this. Go get them, girls. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And now it's time for Girls Pick.
4: Hi there. My name is Kana Dietz, and I'm with the Press Corps here in River Valleys. Here are my girl picks. Um, The first one is just sitting down and creating something. I honestly think it's so amazing to just make something that no one else has made before even if you make it straight out of an instruction book it's unique and i think that's so cool um second of all i really like emily dickinson's poetry i think it's it's really beautiful and if you'd like you could even sit with some tea talk about it with a friend you could be really classy or just really chill if you wanted to um finally i love the book wonder by rj palacio It's a book about a boy with a facial deformity and he enters his first year of middle school. And I think it really, it has some great characterization and I really enjoy the plot and the description and I've loved this book for a really long time and I'd like more people to read it. So thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Girl Talks.
0: Girl Talk is brought to you by Girl Scouts River Valleys. Our host is Hannah Gilbert. The show is produced by Adele Erickson and edited by Sarah Mikatel. For more about the podcast and our team, go to girltalk.girlscoutsrv.org. See you next time.